as we hear echoes of this gospel in chapter 2 of Daniel. Uh, and so we'll hear it now together from the words of Jesus for us. From the gospel of Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. If you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either, give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful. And the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we come now to Daniel chapter 2, let's take a moment and recap what we learned last week in chapter 1. In chapter 1, Uh, we discover that for all intents and purposes, Daniel went to Hogwarts, right? He was trained in sorcery, in divination, in magic, in this liberal arts program of the Babylonians. He was being trained to be Babylonian in every way. And any good Jew would cringe, right? Cringe. And yet somehow in the midst of this education, which was clearly against the first commandment and many others, somehow Daniel was able, as we discussed last week, to not assimilate into the uh, Babylonian culture and yet somehow excel in it. And we know he excelled in it because we discover this week in chapter 2 that he'd been elevated after graduating, if you, so to speak, from Hogwarts. He is now elevated to one of the advisors, one of those so-called sorcerers, magicians, and diviners in Nebuchadnezzar's court. But he did not assimilate. He remained faithful to the one true God even while excelling in that. He was able to remain faithful and hold up the word. He did this in difficult times. He did this in a world that he was now brought into that was not for but actually against the one true God. 
And so we've got to ask as we sit here this morning, how is God calling us in these days, in this world? And once more, as we'll soon discover, Daniel shared the good news of the one true God, not only with God's people, but with those who hated God's people. And as we'll soon discover, he brought salvation and redemption, not just to God's people, but to those who hated God's people. And so now, as we might recall from last week, Daniel is organized like a cosmic cheeseburger. Uh, Theologians call it a chiastic structure. To pay attention to what is in the middle. And what is in the middle of Daniel chapter 2 as we begin to prepare to receive it this morning are these verses, really starting in verse 24, but uh, I'll take you in now to verse 27 where we hear this. That there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to the king. Right at the center of chapter 2, We discover what everything is about. We hear it at the beginning, we hear it at the end, but sandwiched in the middle is this truth. There is one truth for us to hear. I think there are several principles. I'll tackle three of them with you this morning. But one truth from that principle that God is sovereign. At the center, He's the one that reveals mysteries. He is the one with us in the middle of our lives, at the beginning, at the end, in whatever crisis or hardship you or I are facing today, He is the revealer of mysteries. In the midst of exile of God's people, God did not abandon His people. He was with them. And He was even for them. And He was even for them proclaiming the good news to their enemies. One truth, God is sovereign. Three principles. Those principles this morning that we'll review are that Daniel remained faithful to the word, even in hard times, even in a pluralistic society, even while he was at Hogwarts, right? And so can we, and so should we. Secondly, we'll discover that Daniel shared the joys and the burdens of life with God's people, and so can we. And so should we. And third, we'll learn that Daniel didn't assimilate or isolate, but he did evangelize. He did share the truth of the one true God. And so can we. And so should we. So from the beginning, he scheduled an appointment with the king before he knew the answer or the outcome. We'll see that pattern repeat in chapter 3 next week acting before they knew the outcome, but remaining faithful to God. In the middle, as we just heard, when the dream is being explained, we know who the revealer of that mystery is. By the end of the chapter, Nebuchadnezzar still didn't get it, but Daniel wanted to make sure that we knew all of this is not pointing to himself, but to the one sovereign God. And at the end, when the the dream is revealed and the statue that... Nebuchadnezzar dreams about is revealed. Daniel, Daniel, 
reminds us that God's kingdom will last forever. Well, that's where we're going. Now let's get there together. I want to get there first by looking at that first principle that we learned from this truth that God is sovereign by telling you a story that I've told uh, on several occasions over the last 30 years about an old miner, Pete, who left a note at the bottom of a well in a dry land. And this miner left a note that said something like this. He said to the traveler, underneath the rock to the left of the well, I've left you a jar of water. Take that jar of water and prime the pump of this well and it will give you refreshment. This well has never let me down. It's never run dry. And then you left in that note of warning. But if you drink the water, you won't have enough to prime the pump and then leave water in the jar for the next traveler. So a question for you. Would you drink the water or trust the note? (laughs) What would you do? Trust in that which is right before your eyes? Or trust in the note that had been given to you? Daniel, I can tell you what he did. He trusted the word. He trusted the note. He remained faithful, even though right before his eyes, in what must have felt like a desert of exile, was all kinds of worldly success being elevated. Food, power, authority. And yet Daniel chose to trust the word and to remind the king when he had the opportunity that the source of his wisdom was not from him but was from the one true God. Now at the time Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world. In fact, some historians and others I have read suggest that Nebuchadnezzar may be considered one of the most powerful, maybe 20 top most powerful leaders in all of human history because of the expanse of authority and power he had. Which, by the way, he was nervous about, as evidenced by his concern over what this dream meant. When our hope is found in the world, we're always going to be nervous that we're going to lose it. As Nebuchadnezzar was. And he asked the absolute impossible. It was beyond the school books of what they'd learned in their Hogwarts training. You see, it was difficult for a king to ask his advisors what his dream meant. And they would open up their books and they would discover just what it meant. But he asked the impossible. He said, you tell me what I dreamed. Tell me what it meant. And his advisors uh, tried very nicely and kindly to tell the king at the risk of their own lives, that's not how it works. And he said, oh, that is how it's going to work or you're going to die. 
And so God, only God can do the impossible. And do you notice, as I pointed out already, Daniel schedules, if you keep reading in chapter 2, and I hope you'll go home and read chapter 2 and dig into it in your own devotional life this week, he schedules an appointment with the king before he knows the answer to the problem. He steps forth in faith, trusting in God. Only God does the impossible. Only Jesus rises from the dead. And here we see echoes of Joseph in Egypt. You know Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat, right? Joseph who revealed visions to Pharaoh and then brought salvation and redemption not only to God's people because of it, but even to the people in Egypt who would have otherwise been suffering from famine, they would be the final end. He was a path that God would choose to use redemption through, and he would point to Jesus. And now he does the same through Daniel. And Daniel reminds us, finally, that he is pointing to not himself, but the one sovereign God. And so, from beginning to end, God is faithful. God will answer the prayer of Daniel and his friends, God will explain what this statue business is all about. And God shows favor to Daniel, even when the king still doesn't give it, get it and tries to give credit to Daniel. For there is one truth that God is sovereign and he is the source of wisdom. And that gets revealed because of that first point. Daniel remained faithful to the note, to the one true God. And the question for us is, in this pluralistic dark world where we do the same, will we remain faithful to the word and to the promise of God? Will we drink the water that's right before us or will we trust the note? Then something else critical happens next. And it's that second principle that we need to hold on to. Daniel shares the load with his fellow believers. As we heard them called in chapter 1, the sons of Israel. After scheduling the appointment with the king, he gets together with his friends and invites them to pray that God would show them and reveal the mystery. He doesn't carry the load by himself. Here's where I go off script a little bit. You see, earlier this week, I had to make a a choice and on Sunday buy a one-way ticket to Seattle to go be with family as my mom would eventually go to enter life eternal. And I could make that choice with confidence and with peace because I was surrounded by a community here, not only my family, but the people of God here, the pastors, the staff, the church council, and and others who had my back, and I didn't know when I'd be back. I pray that you find that kind of community surrounding you here. I pray that you experience that kind of we've got your back 
kind of fellowship life together here. Part of the lesson, and don't miss it, don't skip it, in Daniel chapter 2, is to share the load with fellow believers in prayer and doing life together. This is crucial for our life here at Faith Lutheran. It's crucial for our life as followers of Jesus. And when we miss the mark and don't hold each other up, then we have to offer the forgiveness and grace that we all need when we fall short. But I pray that you experience that kind of community here. The invitation is to share life together, not just when we invite you to Bible studies, yes, to hold fast to the word, but also to do life. Don't skip this part. God reminds us that we can't do it alone. We remember we need Jesus when we lean on each other. We remember who God is when we lean on each other. And so that second principle is that Daniel shared the joys and burdens with God's people. And so can we, and so should we. And that leads us to the third principle of the one truth, that God is sovereign. And in Jeremiah 29, we hear how Daniel is supposed to act. Daniel uh, is living and serving in exile. Jeremiah, a contemporary, we think, of Daniel, is preaching at this time to the exiles. And he's correcting a view that says, stay away from the foreigners in the foreign land that you're living. Instead, he says, no, this, Jeremiah 29 Verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. Did you catch that? Where I have sent you. God sent them there, you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. You can't help but hear echoes from the gospel here, when Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Jesus is inviting the people of God in exile to be about the good of their neighbors. Yes, those who've put them into exile, those who hate them. And so Daniel actually saves the life of some of those Babylonian sorcerers by going to the one true God on, yes, certainly his behalf, but also theirs. And he comes and explains just what this dream is all about. Now there is great conversation and worthy of it so to discuss this statue that was in the dream and what it means. As you uh, see these woodworkers in Idaho building a 90-foot version of it, starting from head to toe with the top metal, as it's described in the scriptures, of the head being gold, which everyone agrees is Nebuchadnezzar. And as it was custom in the ancient world to understand different eras by different uh, metals in descending value moving down from head to toe. This statue is most certainly representing future eras that will one day 
take over Nebuchadnezzar's time, but he's happy to learn that it's after he dies, right? The final of which, the, the clay at the bottom, the weakest of the materials, at the feet, mixed with iron, will one day be toppled down by what? Not by the gold, not by the silver, not by the precious metals, but by a common element, a rock. If you read in chapter 2, you'll discover that a rock comes. The common substance, common like the Word becoming flesh, common like bread and wine or water, God comes into the common with the common and does the extraordinary. And that rock, that rock which is eternal, will be the kingdom that lasts forever. And there is much debate about which kingdoms are represented by those metals. And and I happen uh, to, uh, with a majority of Bible-believing scholars, believe it finally ends with the Roman era. But that's not even the main point. The main point of this goes back to that cosmic cheeseburger to what's in the middle, what's central, what is true, that God is sovereign. And when that rock takes over all the other kingdoms, it's reminding us that God's kingdom will in the end be what lasts. He is the rock that is eternal. And so as we read in Daniel chapter 2, from beginning to end and right in the middle, God is sovereign. And what did Daniel do? He shared the good news of that truth and he pointed Nebuchadnezzar to that one true God. That God is the God who reveals mysteries. Trust in Him. He shares the gospel with even those who hate Him. And so can we. And so should we. So what we see in Daniel today is a practical vision for our church right now. As one pastor called it, a bicultural way of life, of always being faithful to the word, while not assimilating or isolating. And so when we prepare our kids or grandkids for the world ahead of them, we don't just plan for this world and how to survive in this world, because we don't just live in this world, we also live in two kingdoms, as Luther put it. kingdom of God and kingdom of this world. And we do so by being anchored to the word, by being anchored to one another in life and being blessed to share the good news where God has you planted. So where is the kingdom of God? It's wherever the church is. And who is the church? It's you and me. And where is the church? It's where you are at home, at work, in recreation, with friends, with your extended family, on vacation, on the soccer field. It's wherever you are. Where does the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world often meet? It meets where you are. That's where we bear the cross of Christ. And it won't always be easy as it was not for Daniel. Daniel but we will point to the one true God. And that's why Faith Lutheran has a vision of leading others to Christ, where faith is a home where we walk a Jesus-shaped path with God 
anchored in his word, giving a reason for the hope, with each other, doing life like Daniel did with his friends and praying for each other and having each other's backs and sharing this good news with the people we encounter, even those who hate us. Yes, there's one truth. God is sovereign in three principles. And so today, we dare to be like Daniel, but not really so much Daniel, but to trust in Jesus who he points to. He is the rock that is eternal. May we trust and follow him. Amen.